0: I just love Monday nights because it's time for Ira on Sports on the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, another great show on tap tonight. Ira's in studio in person. This makes uh, two weeks in a row. We love having you here. And we almost didn't get to it. You had a bout of uh, a little stomach virus or something. No, huh?
1: not stomach. Food poisoning in New York. You go to New York. You get uh, ate at a, one of those fancy restaurants and get sick. Fly. You don't want to get food poisoning when you're flying on a plane on, on Saturday going back to the Honda. And I started. the I, I couldn't make Saturday, but I I started Sunday's round. I said, look. I'm going to try first two holes and, and then I, but I made it through the whole day, uh, followed the Kirk and Cole even into the playoff time. It was good. It was nice to be out there. It was great. I was, I, only one day this year for the Honda, but it was still a great day of I'm surprised you were able to even do that because it was hot out too. <laughs> I'll tell you, in New York, it was like 25, 30 degrees. I could not wait. It, it could not, it, it could have been as hot as it wanted. New York was way too
0: cold. <laughs> so coming up about 725, fantastic interview with one of my uh, childhood stars. It's Eddie George. And I mean, we really don't need any introduction for Eddie George. People may not know that, though. Uh, may not know now, though, that he's the head coach of Tennessee State University uh, college football team.
1: Tennessee State. I mean, he's probably one of the biggest guests we've ever had on the show. He's a Heisman Trophy award winner. I mean, gets to live in the Heisman House, which I always think is so cool. And he's <laughs> set every record, College Football Hall of Fame, and Houston Oilers. You know, we bring all these people on the show, and I keep reading about him. Like he was all an All Pro. He nine straight years of a thousand yards rushing is almost eleven thousand yards rushing, seventy touchdowns. I was surprised he just finally now is semifinals for the Hall of Fame and we had Dave Parker on I think he should be in the Hall of Fame Doc Gooden you know potential and we're getting these people that are in the borderline Hall of Fame when you look at his numbers and who they're putting in the NFL Hall of Fame I think he has a very good case to get in it I'm shocked that he's not he's done enough he's won
0: a, a ton with the Tennessee Titans slash Houston Oilers it, it, it really is weird and he's from that last generation of bell cow backs when your team had one guy we're going to talk about just the AFC Championship game he was the only person on the team to get a to touch that game. That's unheard of now and he's the last era of that and we'll talk to Eddie George here in about 20 minutes or so. Don't forget you can follow Ira all across social media at Ira on Sports. See some of these great pictures from the Honda Classic but let's talk about it now. Palm Beach County's premier sporting event. It's in the books. We've got a winner. It's Chris Kirk. Congratulations to Chris and you got to see it uh, up close and personal.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think the story about Chris Kirk is is what the, with the is, it was great because I had the media pass and to after was over. Just meet him at the green. Uh, saw Sepp Straka, who won the tournament the year before. A Georgia graduate. Chris Kirk's a Georgia graduate. Now at Lake Georgia, they win the national championship of football. They win <laughs> the Honda Classic. If they win again, we're gonna another Georgia. And uh, the fact that Kirk started out super hot on the tour, he was this young gun, won five tournaments, was great, everything like that. Uh, but then he admitted that he has had an alcohol problem, and it got the demon. The demons uh, got to him, uh, completely collapsed as a person. As a player, he, he admitted this. I'm not saying anything. We'd love to have mm-hmm. him on the show. He talked about it endlessly. Yeah, his recovery
0: story is a big part of it. And,
1: and and recovery and and he thought he was done with everything besides golf but his family but he was able to turn himself around and it's now it's his first win in eight years he started in 20 he took a, about a year and a half off of golf came back and it's uh, been hot really the last in the last uh, uh, year and a half and this is his first win in eight years and it was like you know the emotion of it i thought was great but the fact that his story is so public and he admitted he goes that when he first did it it's for him now he's seeing how he's touching so many people how He's able to turn his life around he says look if i if i didn't get Sober, I would never have been sitting in this chair right now.
0: So let's talk about the tournament itself. Ira, I I think. the typically low-scoring nature of the Honda Classic leads to a lot of playoffs. It's just because it's hard to separate yourself. It's hard to go 20-under. This was a surprisingly low-scoring Honda Classic. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But tell us how we got here. And it was a fantastic Sunday with a great playoff.
1: Yeah, it, what was weird about it was that you were waiting for other golfers on Sunday to make a run. I mean, there's Shane Lowry, Seb Strucker. There was about six or seven golfers at that 9-10 under par. Entering Sunday, Kirk was 13-under and Cole 11-under. So you're just waiting for someone to, to make the run. I was bouncing between Lowry's group waiting for Lowry to make that run and they were going back and forth and, and Lowry just was just parring everything really nothing bad and then I just jumped to Clark I was going back and forth between and it was it was sort of fun. Now, remember, I just had followed Tiger, Justin, and Rory at Genesis. Let me tell you, this is a lot easier. <laughs> I didn't need my stool. I didn't need anything. It was not that 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 group. Uh, but it was uh, it was interesting to see that Kirk's you know birdied uh, the first hole, but gave it back on the second hole, but then he went and Cole birdied four and five to take the lead. So at point they were it was it was almost a match play for eighteen was, holes. Yeah. And uh, Cole bogeyed six, gave Kirk the lead, and then on thirteen that was the famous. Tiger Woods hole when Tiger Woods quit on thirteen in the back where there's like nobody out there on the par four. Well, well, Cole birdied it and Kirk bogeyed it. That gave Cole the lead. And uh, then on the bear trap thirteen, Cole, uh, when you go to that bear trap, you didn't know what happened, but the wind was not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't that where you felt like the wind was going to hit the ball in the water. But Cole bogeyed to their even par and sixteen. Uh, Kirk great shot. You know that's that par four. That's a bu- and the views now with the with the seventeenth uh, uh, hole with the bear trap with double decker. I had this great picture of Kirk like hitting into this like it seems like a mountain of this Honda wall, whatever, with the water and everything mm-hmm. around. So he birdied that, and then 17 is the famous hole. Everything that you know, they they both very tough that. par three, yeah, very tough par with the pressure, with the fans around, everybody screaming. They say quiet, quiet, quiet. Everyone's yelling, and screaming. They both got on. They both parted. next to the waste management 16. It's probably the most intimidating hole. I call. <laughs> now that it's double decker yes, the whole way around. Should. I mean, it seats almost 18,000. Like going to Miami or Airlines Arena and hitting a ball <laughs> with with and then. Uh, on 18, Kirk's drive was was perfect, but on the his second shot on the five, on the par five, which is weird. It's one of the few tournaments that has a par five 18. And the second second shot right in the water. It was like he almost hit that car that was in the mm-hmm. water. And uh, and he was lucky to get up and down in terms of just getting you know just making a bogey on that hole. But Cole had a chance. If Cole would have birdied five, which mm-hmm. he, he hit in the bunker, then that would have you know he would have won the tournament. it would have been a swing. But he just parted, and so then they went to the playoff. And then in the playoff they go back and play I remember the last time I saw Patty Harrington and uh, Daniel, Daniel Berger, Berger yeah. play that they go back at 18 I think they play 18 one more time and then they play no, they 17, 17 17, yeah. 17. and uh, Kirk's first shot was good and the second shot was I mean his third shot his third shot approach was right there inches mm-hmm. from the cup and Cole was in the sand trap but Cole almost slipped it in and, but when he didn't then he missed another putt and that, you know, Kirk had like two chances to hit like an inch, and then he got in. But it was no emotion. Like, when he hit it in, I'm like, did he miss it? Because he, he showed absolutely, you would think you just won this golf tour? He won $1.5 million. He's just like, you know, it's whatever. I know it's like a normal putt. <laughs> um, but he, he made a statement. He never played with Eric Cole before. Eric only he's a, he's a rookie, too. They're almost the same age. He's played 17 times on the tour. Uh, but he won $950,000, and that was pretty amazing for that. And uh, But Kirk said, I never played with Eric before. Before, didn't know him before but it was great playing the whole day and they realized that they said that we were sort of just playing uh, all ahead of everybody else no one made a no one made a run within two shots of them all day
0: don't forget you can see uh, these pictures and so much more anywhere on social media at ira on sports we're going to be joined by eddie george around seven twenty-five. i i have a question what, who was the group everyone was following were people sticking with them because they were the leaders going into the day and they were the leaders to finish the day was it shane
1: lowry drawing a lot of attention billy horschel what did you notice I'm telling you what, I didn't find people were following anybody. Like I, it was I so packing the bear trap. It was. And then no, but you know, it, it seemed like I'm going to say there was not much crowds. I go to the bear trap. It wasn't as packed as it had been years past. We went and I'm like, we go to 18. I couldn't see 18 that everybody was at 18. It I've never seen 18. And that's as packed as like Rory and tiger. Like I couldn't even get down to the mm. bottom of 18. So it was weird. It was like, I didn't feel like a lot of people were, I think Lowry had a bigger crowd than Kirk and Cole, but it wasn't that much bigger. Uh, but I felt like it was neat I got there earlier on Sunday and I spent I never do this but I was, wasn't feeling well so I was there for like an hour and a half I took I watched the tee shots at one and I had a perfect view if you go on my Iron Sports Instagram account I mean I'm like the best seed in the house it looks like I'm like in a drone over them <laughs> hitting the ball as I'm taking the video which I which I really loved I did want to mention uh, Tyler Duncan who was 360th in the world finished third and uh, in the Monday qualifier Ryan Gears who was uh, he was just a qualifier so that means he qualified on Monday, I just beat 120 in guys. Porte Port Lucie <laughs> and uh, his tour winnings before the event were zero dollars, and he won 411. How'd you like your tour winnings of zero, and you win 411 thousand dollars? So, <laughs> and then like Steph Straka last year's winner it was it was finished fifth. Shane Lowry finished fifth at nine under. uh Sim Son M was 42nd at two under, and Billy Horschel was the favorite going into. He was two under, and then I think everyone talked about Akisha Batia. I think he's uh, pronounced his name. Mm-hmm. He he took a shirt off twice when yeah. he went into the water. or something like that he
0: must not be from this area because I don't go in any fresh (laughs) water I'm taking the penalty and not getting attacked by there
1: crocodiles like I have videos of of, of (laughs) alligators whatever you want to say the crocodiles could be crocodiles (laughs) Uh, alligators I I felt that but you know it was still the normal without I gotta give credit to Palm Beach County in this area the crowds were great without I can't believe another tournament could have zero star power which they didn't I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna say oh there's great stars and get crowds like that it was pretty amazing to have packed full crowds Andrew George did a great tournament Ken Kenner Lee left a great legacy I just think that they really pulled off another amazing tournament and you just hope that Jack Nicholas gave some I don't know if you heard his interview he gave mm-hmm. some hope a little bit it looks like there's going to be a Mexican tournament before there'll be Genesis and then a Mexi- tournament in Mexico uh, uh, that probably is not going to be elevated so people will probably won't go to that tournament to give it an extra week to go but that's still asking the golfers to play this one Bay Hill and the players, the players so I still yeah. think that's a problem but at least it's not going to be they won't they'll play three in a row not five in a row uh, but Nicklaus made an interesting comment he says I don't lobby players to play in my tournament because I hated, he says, because I hated when people did it to me. Because so, <laughs> I will never call someone and ask to be in my tournament. So, so
0: it, one of the things I found interesting, we've seen the Honda the Classic. I one with four under par, six under par. This was low scoring. I get, I get the conditions were were good, but like I said, I don't I don't want to diminish the field. What was if John Rahm was in this field? What would they shot a twenty under? I mean it's crazy to think about you know the, what the top golfer in the world would have done to the course that's you know legendarily difficult.
1: I was surprised with a pin placement. I walked the course with my cousin who played the Champions course and through the whole week he's been here, and he said and usually that he goes that he, on Sunday he kept saying that's an easy pin play. that's where we play that's an easy pin placement so I'm not I'm not saying I'm the expert but he did say these are not the hard pin yeah. placements that you would normally 15 would find.
0: and 17 the two par threes and the bear trap you can absolutely bury the pin if you want to you can make it like the size of a dish plate your landing area and then there's other vast tracts of land you could put it on. So maybe that's why?
1: Like at nine, it was in the middle of the, he said, look, it's right in the middle of the green. It's one of the best places to put the pin. So I think they were looking for, they didn't, you know, they were trying to make it, they did not want a situation. But look, they didn't get the wind. There was no, sometimes you're out there, your hat's blowing off, things are blowing all around the place. Remember last year it was, it was super hot and then it rained there, that final hole, but you didn't get, you just had the heat. And uh, Kirk and then, and Cole was, had his capri pants on. So he was comfortable, you know, playing in that capri pants.
0: 7.15, Ira on Sports all these channel, ten minutes from now, former uh, Tennessee Titan and Ohio State Buckeye Eddie George joins us, talking about live golf. Ira, and this was interesting. Typically, it's team format. This was a singles format that they did uh, in Mexico. Charles Howell the third, name we haven't heard from in a long time, beat out what was, you know, on paper, a much better field than the
1: Honda Classic. So congratulations to, to Charles Howell. A four-shot victory. He won $4 million. Is, he only won three times in 23 seasons on the VJ Tour. Won this. But he actually, there is a team component, so his team, the Crushers, did win that. So he won, I think he won $4 million individually and another $1 million from the team thing. So I did not, I have to admit, I didn't catch on the CW Network any of that, but I'll catch it in the weeks coming. But big win for Charles Howell third. He's played, you now here's someone who has played, traditionally plays yeah, he's on the Honda Classic. Guy. Every, I'm, I would say in the last 10 years, I've seen him play here at this.
0: So let's uh, move on to the NBA. And the uh, Heat acquired Kevin Love a few days ago. We're, we're still yet to see how he's going to integrate it into the fold here. But this team's not looking good right now, Ira. And this is a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Me, as a, a fan of being here, I have high anticipation for, or high expectations for this team, and it's really just not coming together this season.
1: Well, I think they—they were average. We were waiting for them to make the run, and, and the run is the wrong way. They've just lost four in a row to Denver, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Charlotte. The loss to Charlotte is a team that doesn't even care. That was really—I watched that you know, game the other night on Saturday. It was—it was—it was absolutely horrendous. Love played well the last game, um, but Vincent, the point guard, stepped in. Has had some of the. Gavinson has had some of two of the worst games I could imagine. He's like, he's shot like one for uh, 12 in two games. No Kyle Lowry, who's been out injured. Uh, I, they have not looked good. And this is, and now they play Philly tonight away. Then they play Wednesday, Philadelphia at home. Friday, the Knicks are at home. Saturday, they play Atlanta. Then Monday, Atlanta away. This is a tough schedule. This could, you know, they are going to make the playoffs. They could be in a play-in game, but I thought they'd be getting a run passing the, the Brooklyn Nets. They're looking, they're going to be the seventh, sixth or seventh, seventh or eighth seed. They're going to be in that one of those playoff uh, play, play-in position games. Um, so I'm, I'm nervous for them. They, they, I, I can't believe they're going to let the Knicks go ahead of them. But right now, they're closer to being at the back than the front. Uh, what else you want to talk about here in, in NBA? Well, more like Boston and Milwaukee are clearly the classes of the East. Uh, Milwaukee's won 14 straight games. 14 straight. They're still a half a game back. And Giannis has been in and out of the lineup. But Boston, one of the best games was they beat Philadelphia the other night. Uh, 110-107. Jason Tatum hit a last-second shot. And Embiid had like a three-quarter shot to tie. But you really like how Boston and Milwaukee are, are both playing. And, and if Giannis stays, you got to think they're going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. But, look, Cleveland is really looking good. We loved it, Cleveland going I, into I'll the tell season. You what, but I, they are looking better and better. And Mobley is like an Antoine Davis who stays healthy. You have Garland. Darius Garland is a great point guard. Donovan Mitchell's put up these monster games. I like this team a lot. And then Atlanta is a team to be concerned about. They fired Nate McMillan. They bring in a Quinn Snyder, who used to be the coach at Utah from Duke and uh, was a Duke player. And I was down to Duke when I was at Duke. And I think Quinn's going to make a big difference on this team. Maybe not this year, but 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 again, Atlanta could pass the Heat. So the Heat are looking to be in like, you know, it's, they're gonna, Atlanta's going to pass them. New York and Brooklyn's going to stay ahead of them. The Heat could be out. Like they could be in a play-on game where they play one playoff game and be out. Uh, so that in the East, it's the Heat really, it's time. They only have 20 games left. People, that, people think about the All-Star game. There's only 20 games after this. After this week, there's going to be like 15 games left. So they better start to win, and they have two games you know, against these good teams, Philadelphia and Atlanta, uh, in the next four games. Well, let's go to the West
0: here. It's uh, starting to look like getting too little too late for LeBron. What do you think?
1: Well, they were down 27 to the mavericks they came back and won the game they made these trades but everyone kept saying well the 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 lakers are going to be you know this is perfect everything works well as long as they stay healthy lebron then ends up missing a game uh you realize that next game he's going to be out he got hurt in that game they made the comeback of course, Jason Kidd doesn't call a timeout. You blow a 27-point lead when a coach doesn't call a timeout when the lead is going down. Uh, You've—it's clearly it, it, there's you know the Lakers though. Antoine David, Anthony Davis is going to get injured. LeBron is going to get injured. So I think they have trouble. But. Uh, Denver and Memphis two best teams Memphis played Denver and blew them out so that was a surprise and the team I'll tell you what everyone's waiting for Sacramento just to say they're not real they're not real but Derek Fox and uh, Sabonis uh, they are playing amazing and they are just they're one of the best one-two combinations of guard and center in the league and they're still they're a strong number three seed and then from four to 13 you have these teams all within three games of each other Phoenix Durant's coming back Clippers the Dallas. Warriors, Jazz, Minnesota, New Orleans, Portland, Lakers, and the Thunder—all within three games of each other. It's crazy. And then the big story, I guess, last night was uh, Damian Lillard, 71 points. That's insane. And, and on only 38 shots, he was 22 for 38, 13 for 22 from three-point line, 14 of 14 from the foul line, six assists, and only two turnovers, 71 points. And he's averaged, this is out of nowhere, guy, he's averaged 40 points over the last 20 games. He's had one of the best uh, run in 20 games in, in, in league history. So it's, uh, I, I'm look, I, you know how much I love the NBA. I like the fact that the players are going to try to play this final 20. We'll see what happens. And as a Heat fan, I, I want to have basketball here in May and June in South Florida. I don't want them eliminated in the first week of the playoffs.
0: I think Jokic had a shot to win uh, third straight?
1: I think he will. I he's think it's going to be a better be. statistical season. It's like one of the. He had days. an amazing game last night. He had. i been having my fantasy, and, and I and I couldn't believe the numbers. I mean, he had like 40 points and 15 assists and 15 rebounds. Uh, he'd be one of the few players besides Chamberlain and Bird to win three uh, MVPs in a row. But it's hard to say. You know, Tatum is the one person that everyone's saying has a chance against him. But uh, no, Djokovic. I think definitely. I think I think he's going to win it. But we'll see what happens.
0: So let's go to college here. March is on Wednesday, Ira. That means we're getting closer and closer to the tournament. This is the most wide-open tournament, perhaps, of my life. I, I can't remember a time where there really was no favorite. You had a great weekend of watching these games, though.
1: I couldn't believe how many every game was coming down to final second shots. I mean, Alabama beat Arkansas by three. Kansas beat West Virginia by two. Indiana upset Purdue 79-71. North Carolina beat UVA. UVA uh, UVA. Uh, Arizona State was, uh, beat Arizona 89-88 on a— Three on a shot from like three quarters uh, away. And I watched the Gonzaga St. Mary's game and Gonzaga looks great. I love how Gonzaga is playing, and that was that was an awesome game, but St. Mary's is really good. And then the upset of the weekend was Florida State. Miami is 23 and 6. They're ranked 13th. They were up 54-31 at halftime over a Florida State team, which is 9 and 20. So you think this game is it's done, it's finishes over. What happens? Florida State comes back and wins 85-84. Like crazy games, like everything. And it's just that was was, that was what made it so amazing and, and if you look at what's the, the bracketology uh some of these teams like that are going on the borderline to be out you north carolina which of course you saw in the national championship game last year which was the preseason favorite this year who brought almost all their players back this year is on this the first out so the, so that they have a huge game at duke i mean they're playing duke at home on saturday they probably have to win that game and win a game in the tournament in the acc tournament to even get in to the ncaa tournament which is crazy other teams, Michigan is on the, is on the level out. Where everyone thinks they're, you know, they're so good in teams like Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, USC. So it'll be fun to see what to, usually we sort of know who's going to get in, who's not in maybe one or two teams, but there's a lot of big names that are on the borderline, and, and then we can talk about Florida Atlantic. Yeah, let's talk about Florida Atlantic. I believe we're going
0: to have uh, their head coach, Dusty May, on next week. That'll be interesting to hear from him. But they're, they're in the middle of a legendary run for that uh, program.
1: 16-2, and 26-3 overall. They play at Rice and at Louisiana Tech before the tournament in the Conference USA. And they're ranked in the top 20. And but unfortunately, how they do seedings. I look at bracketology, they're seated like 11th, which means they play like a six seed that first game. But maybe they can improve their seeding a little bit. But that was what? A, what? A, I can't wait to have Dusty on the show. He's done a tremendous job. I don't think people people thought they were going to be good this year. No one thought they were going to be a top 20 team. So it's exciting to how they're playing well.
0: It's never a good thing when one of the top players in the country
1: is brought up in some controversy, and that's exactly what we have right now. Brandon Miller is playing phenomenal this year. He is it's by far, I think, the college put play right now. I would say he's the college over E.D. over Purdue, the player of the year. But he was in a situation a month ago where it, Darius Miles, his teammate, said, "Pick me up at a." Well, he went to pick his teammate up. He showed up in his car, and then he got in. The, in the, somehow, the timing of it is he got a text saying, "Bring my gun." He said he never saw that text. Parked his car. Miles came out, got the went in the car, reached in. And took the gun and shots a woman and killed the woman. Uh, and Miles, of course, was thrown off the team. Is charged with murder. All those other things. Well, actually, Miles wasn't. Allegedly, it was uh, his two people that are trying to figure that. But Brandon Miller has not was not suspended for the team. Nothing. And the police say we can't charge him with anything. He, he didn't know it was in the back of the car. All those things. And there's an issue. I mean, that, this is a big debate in college basketball whether. You know how this should be treated. I still think we need to have more facts come out. Exactly what happened. If he saw the text message and and those things, I think it's really it's it's questionable based upon what he said. If he didn't know, he's just bringing his car. I'm going to give him a pass on that, perhaps. But he did not show. Uh, let's say tone deafness really or a lack of compassion when before the next, one of the next game, after the game, after this, he was patted down in the warm-ups and pregame interruptions. Interruption. Like, like he had a gun, like he was on fire. He said he's been doing that all year, but I didn't really think that showed a, you know the type of respect or whatever. To, for tone the, deaf to say the least. For the situation. <laughs> but it, it's going to keep coming up because Alabama's going to be the number one seed perhaps in the tournament. He's going to be the star of the tournament. He scored 41 points. He's playing great. All those things. So it's not going to be just a player like New Mexico State had a shooting in with one of their players and who shot somebody. They canceled their season, but no one really talks about New Mexico State. Brandon Miller, not only, he's going to be one of the top three players taking the NBA draft, too. So this is something that's going to keep brought, bringing up again and again and again. Uh, we'll see what happens as more facts come out.
0: We've got about a minute till we have to get to Eddie George. Major League Baseball, it's back. I'm sure you're going to be spending a lot of time at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches and Roger Dean Stadium, but there's a lot of changes. Some people love them, Some people hate them. Gary Sheffield came out and said, why are we catering to people that watch Netflix all baseball season? Which I like that quote. I feel like we're changing baseball's rules for non-baseball fans.
1: Well, it just seems like they, the, the changing of having to be 30 seconds between batters, 15 seconds with no men on base, 20 seconds with men on base, they've called 70 violations, time violations. Now we're getting time violations, almost like tennis or something else, you want to call it, or or in football with the getting the plays off. It, mm-hmm. it is definitely affected in terms of it shortening the time of games from so three hours and six minutes to two hours and 38 minutes. Um, so it, it it's working in that respect. But it seems like I think Tim Kirchner made a comment, there are so many changes coming from the time to the bases to the shifts it's it's just maybe too much for the teams and someone made a good point the world baseball classic starts for two weeks now so a lot of these players are going to play under different rules for yeah. two weeks come back and then we're going to see a mess and you're going to see situations where you saw one game already where a player thought he walked to bring in the winning game but they called a strikeout because he wasn't in in the uh, batter's box within eight seconds crazy what's happening right now let's go to eddie george
0: here it's iron sports This is Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. We're very happy to have with us legendary college and NFL running back Eddie George here on the program. And, Eddie, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're a super busy guy.
2: Yeah, Nah, Ira. Thank you for um, allowing me to do this, man. Um, You know, I saw you in the gym in Phoenix, and, you know, it was was good to to, to meet you there. And uh, your comments when you mentioned about Tennessee State and who you knew we were, what we were about, Uh, It was very intriguing, man, and this guy, he knows, he sees what we're trying to do, he recognizes, so uh, thank you for having me on, I appreciate it.
0: So Eddie, before we get to Ira, I gotta tell you about my favorite football memory, and I'm a Giants fan, so you'd think, you know, the Tyree catch, the Super Bowls, it wasn't that. Uh, In 1999, I was going to college in Nashville, and you guys won the AFC Championship game over Jacksonville and Mm -hmm. they flashed on the news to all the citizens in Nashville. Everybody get to the stadium, the Titans are coming here. And you guys really were, and I'd never heard of anything like that. So we fill the stadium, it's free, and you, Steve McNair, came out to the 50 yard line, addressed the crowd, said, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I'd never heard of another city or team doing that. I just want to say thank you for making a a lifetime memory (laughs) for for a young fan.
2: Hey, that was a wonderful time. That was a wonderful moment. you know, it takes me back to when we were driving, riding on the bus back from the airport, headed to the stadium, and I'm sitting next to Bruce Matthews. I and mean, he said, man, I've been playing this game for, what, 18, 19 years at that time. He said, this is the first time I've ever tasted real victory. Man, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I was just like, oh, it was an honor to sit next to him and to hear that statement come out of his mouth. And the work that we put in, the, the trials and tribulations that we had to go through to even get to that point from leaving Houston to going to Memphis, playing in Vanderbilt, couldn't give away a ticket. And to have that moment where we beat the hottest team in the league at that time, you know, you, you can say what you want about the greatest show on turf and the Rams. Jacksonville, that team was serious that year. They lost all three of their losses came to us. So, you know, that was a... um that was a an honor and a great day, man. So thanks for for that memory right there. You no,
0: know, and Eddie, you, you nailed it because you guys were new to the city. You know, there wasn't really a Titans yeah. fan base yet, and this is this endeared the city from you know from the from the get go. Everyone was like, "Wow, this team is here for us. We're, we're going to be Titans fans for life," and it still holds true in Nashville.
2: No, we couldn't give away a ticket. Remember the Nashville catch? <laughs> yep, they had more clout than we did. <laughs> it's they crazy. Were the football team. <laughs> You know, we had to. They, you know, we we go to the club and the the bouncer they hold us to go off to the side, and they would have the the red, the the, the rope, the red velvet rope, and they would let the national cast in before us, and we had to pay full price.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ira, what do you have, for Eddie? Well, Eddie, I, I was. We were talking about. You just mentioned we were at the gym. I was at the what Marriott Chandler. I'm running on the treadmill. And I'm like exhausted because, you know, the Super Bowl, parties, everything. And I don't see you, but I see your sweatshirt. Just a reflection is this Tennessee State. So I'm spending, I ran like four miles. And I'm thinking the whole time, uh, Tennessee State, Eddie George, like, I wonder if this person knows him, you know, whatever. And I'm just thinking because it's so, you're now like, you know, you're symbolic with Tennessee State. And then I get off the treadmill, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's Eddie George. So that was so great. But I I had about 30 minutes of thinking about Tennessee State and like saying, well, I wonder if this person knows Eddie George. what the program's like and those things so it's so awesome to have you on and, and you know there's been so much about HBCUs. we have the whole thing with Dion sanders but what you're doing at tennessee state is tremendous we're here on six stations here in south florida and and i know you're down here recruiting trying to bring great players from this florida area to tennessee state i'd love to help you out
2: man please if you know if you see any big offensive linemen or any fast-twitch uh, receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, linebackers, defensive ends, um, you know, water boys, whatever. <laughs> I'm looking. I think, um, you know, I'm looking all over this planet for for diamonds in the rough. I'm not necessarily looking for five-star, four-star kids. And, you know, I'm looking for kids that are passionate about football, that are smart, that are intelligent, that are disciplined, and that want to do more and be more in their lives. And, and with that clay, we can mold them into what they want to be. And uh, it's not that hard. You know, I, you come in, you embrace being a student athlete, the student first, and you come in doing your job, and you want to be great. You want to be coached by some of the best. You want to be in a great city like Nashville, Tennessee, uh, get an exceptional job and opportunity in an international city, which is growing. Um, it's exciting. Just today we had a, a wonderful review In terms of where we're moving forward as as an institution, um, you know, we're down at the state capitol, and we've agreed that both sides are going to move forward over the next year to really putting more money into infrastructure, into our scholarship money, um, our enrollment preparation, staffing, food services, and of course, uh, recognize a housing shortage that is really an issue across the country, but as it relates to Tennessee State University, um you know we're looking to solve these issues so it's an exciting time uh, to be a tennessee state tiger and any kid that has the desire to play football and to try to get to the next level and i'm talking about the nfl cfl usfl xfl you have a chance to get molded and guided and get there you know you have an opportunity to be seen you have that platform to get there so um that's what i'm about
1: so you went to Ohio State University, one of the greatest traditions in all of college football. You were the Heisman Trophy winner, w- Award winner, the Walter Camp Maxwell, Doak Walker, Big Ten MVP. Your number 27 is retired, College Football Hall of Fame. But talk about what you're trying to do at Tennessee State, like to what is what Ohio State has. I know Ohio State has the greatest band in the world. Tennessee State has a great mm-hmm. band also. But those other similarities. Wait, wait,
2: wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Ohio State has a great band. But Tennessee State has a Grammy Award-winning band. Okay, two Grammys. <laughs> so there's a difference. All right, this, this Tennessee State. Chris a, a, a Chris erratic Band has won two Grammy Awards this past year. So it is a uh, it is it is a, a distinct difference. But continue. <laughs>
1: So, but it's, for one, the program, but also the cities. Columbus is the capital of Ohio. It's a city school. And then Mm -hmm. Nashville. I mean, people mentioned Tennessee State. Well, where is it? It's in the middle of nowhere. No, it's in the middle of Nashville, which I think is the coolest city in America right now, where everybody wants to go to. And you go to school at one of the coolest cities in the United States.
2: No question. I mean, Nashville has grown so much since I've been here over the last 25 years. Um, went from being a small, intimate uh, city with great Southern hospitality into this international um, uh, phenomenon where people from all over the world are coming in every single weekend. You know, tourism has been up over the last um, ten years. You know, you walk downtown, you drive by downtown, you see up to thirty cranes in the sky. And this was, you know, during COVID and during the downturn in uh, two thousand eight. Um, so it's a city that is constantly growing. We have great leadership here. We have uh, a bunch of corporations from Amazon to um, Bridgestone to HCA, uh, sports and entertainment it just constantly grow. So there's opportunities for your kid or for your kids or young professionals to get op- uh, jobs here in Tennessee. Uh, the cost of living has gone up. But, you know, there's opportunity for you to make money here. So, you know, being here uh, right in the middle of Nashville for Tennessee State University and HBCU, uh, which has been around since 1912, we we need to be elite. My goal is to have our program grow with the city of Nashville and to have that same elite status and excellence um, that that it so deserves. The bones are here. Um, When I tell you from facilities to location, to opportunity, to uh, um, land-grant money, to to more opportunities for development in this general area, it's, it's off the charts. And there's no reason why this university shouldn't be uh, the absolute best uh, in the country. Um, if we put all our resources together, if we put a plan together, we execute on that plan holistically, it can be done you know, we talk about NIL money
1: and how important that is right now to recruit kids and, and I was thinking when I went to Penn and I certainly wasn't a star football player but I went to University of Pennsylvania in the city of Philadelphia and I could work yeah. at different jobs mm-hmm. yeah, I could work at different jobs and different things, but Nashville, I know you were a Broadway actor, you went to, to school after you retired, um, all the opportunities, if say you were in, in music and you wanted to, where's better to go learn about music than in Nashville and be connected to so many people, so I could see so many opportunities, you go to school, be a great football player, but you get all these valuable experiences while you're there at the same time.
2: No question. And you, you mentioned, you, you know, the opportunities in entrepreneurship. Our, our four core pillars are tradition, education, entrepreneurship, and performance. And the entrepreneurial aspect is something I'm passionate about. I went back, I got my master's in business in the School of Kellogg, School of Management at Northwestern. And, you know, I'm teaching and preaching to my student athletes, and my football players about not just having a plan A or a plan B. You're not falling back to anything. Thing You're falling forward to your plan A. You know, so you're, you're it's all simultaneous. You're building your brand. You're building a football career, but more importantly, identifying your passion and being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur after that. So we've had relationships with the um, Nashville Entrepreneurial Center where we're having some of our student-athletes go in with a business idea, taking from uh, A to Z, nuts to bolts, and create a business plan and build a business uh, within that. You know, great op- a great example of that is one of our players, Kevon Poop, who came from Ohio State, a transfer student, uh, developed his own candle business and sold that to a convention center and got some, you know, uh, a pretty decent amount of coin for that. Um, and we've established relationships with Deloitte. Where we're going to have internships for our student athletes, where they're going to get paid, you know, uh, x amount of dollars per hour. They're going to give a be given a laptop, an AMX card, so they're giving an on-hand experience of what it's like in the corporate world. So we're preparing these young men for life, and not just to get a job, but to be leaders, to be entrepreneurs, and to be owners, and to be agents of change. So it's not just you know getting a job and be happy, but really having an impact on a, on the community. Uh, where you're living and, and just be having and having that, that significance. So it's, it's holistic.
1: So you were nine years at Houston, Tennessee, first team, all pro four time pro bowl, almost 11,000 yards rushing, 70 yards, touch 70, touch 68 touchdowns. I love the one category you were in. You were the only player besides Jim Brown to have 10,000 yards rushing and not miss a game. And only Walter Payton had more starts than you. And we're talking about an NBA load management. You're playing every game as a running back, the most difficult position. But, you know, you took all that and you didn't go into coaching. You went into acting, business development. But then what got you into coaching after, the, after a number of years out of, uh, out of football?
2: You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I was just looking back at my, my time well, my life. I'm about to be 50 this year. I guess you had that reflective moment uh, and when you hit this, this milestone of your last 10, 20 years. Where would the years go? And I'm like, man, what did I do? What <laughs> you did, did I a lot. Do? I felt like I didn't <laughs> accomplish anything, like, you know, but I, I did it quite a bit. I, 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 you know, studied as an actor shortly after I finished playing football, got on, did things on Broadway, did things in the Nashville Shakespeare Theater here in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, the Repertory Theater. I've got my master's in business. i started businesses and so forth. And, you know, right around the pandemic, you know, things slowed down. And I'm at home. I had my wealth management business, and I was, you know, happy with um, working with my youngest son, um, who was in high school at the time, uh, working on my nine iron, you know, trying to get that to go straight, and, um, you know, working on my wealth management business and some entertainment property. So I didn't have the time to really focus on coaching. I was not even thinking about it. But long story short, um, the president of our university, Dr. President, Uh, Glenda Glover, asked me to be the head coach for her team. And I said, well, you know, I don't have any coaching experience. She says, well, I know that. You know, I I feel like you will be great at it. I think you're a great leader. You're a great ambassador for Nashville. You played the game. You can put people around you to be successful. So I thought it was a joke at first. But when I really searched my, my, my spirit and asked myself the question, is this an opportunity that 10 years from now, if I didn't take advantage of it, I would be kicking myself in the butt? And there was something in my spirit that was just pushing me toward it. And I kept dreaming about it, thinking about it. And I was like, like, man, the impact I could have on these young men, you know, um, moving forward based off the stuff that I know now, the things I wish I had and the business acumen that I've attained, you know, not just from a football perspective, from a life perspective, you know, the case studies that I have about, you know, meeting, uh, Financial advisors that try to take advantage of me, uh, business opportunities that were terrible, you know, uh, relationships, with mom and dad. Once you, you know, go into the NFL and how things could change, and just preparing them for that next step, if and when they get there, was so valuable. And I said, man, I have so much to give to the game that gave so much to me. And if I have to pause on my acting career and it looks a little bit different right now, then so be it. Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone like myself with no football coaching experience to be coaching a Division One school at a predominantly um, black institution, a historic uh, HBCU, uh, very rich in history. All it needs is a little love, a little guidance, uh, the right opportunities, the right resources, and this, and this place could thrive. And this could be a huge part of my legacy. And it was a no-brainer after that.
1: And not to discount these player the people that go into coaching at age twenty two and or you know work their way up the system. Right. Your life experiences has prepared you for this transfer portal, NIL, all this other stuff. Yeah. This age, I think, better than someone who just went into coaching when they're like twenty one years old.
2: Yeah, because it's a business. I mean, I'm the CEO of this of this of this particular um, arm of the institution, and it's, and it's the football team. And I played the game. I, I know it inside and out. I've, I've sat on various different boards. I've started businesses. I, I, come through, I, I come to this opportunity with a different lens and different perspective, uh, to your point. And it's like connecting the dots from a business side, but also I can get gritty in terms of what the culture needs to look like on the field, what that product needs to look like, and marry the two. So even in acting, uh, the acting part helps me out because the best – the best attribute or the best gift that an actor has that you must have is not just giving lines in a great way It's to listen, to listen and to react. So as a leader, I have to listen to what others are saying about themselves and what they're saying about the program and, and what's needed. And then based off of that information, I can then feed off of that energy and respond and accordingly and then say, okay, I'm willing to understand by listening, and after I listen, I'm going to be understood in terms of how things are going to go and how we're going to get there and laying out that vision, laying out that map, laying out the course that we're going to take to achieve what we want to achieve, and not just winning championships on the football field but putting together a sustainable program that lasts uh, the test of time that will outlive me, and that takes time. You know, This is equivalent to a battleship. Uh, with no rudder that's out in the uh, middle of the ocean and you're trying to get a rudder to work you put that rudder back on and then you have to turn this big, big behind battleship back against the current uh, to go to the direction that you wanted to go in so that takes time and that's within the process of, that's the, where we are in the process of building this thing
1: i listened to a couple of interviews you gave and you, were, of course, had – you can pick up the phone and call some great minds. And you, you actually picked the brains of a number of tremendous coaches when you got this job asking them questions in terms about
2: being a coach. Yes. I talked to, number one, um, the man that, that started it all off for, for guys like myself, um, Deion Sanders. And you know, I asked him, I said, is this possible with me and not having any experience? You know, Deion, prior to taking the Jackson State job, wasn't given an opportunity. He wasn't taken seriously. He was coaching in high school. The high school ranks, he coached in um, Little League, coached his sons, and the Jackson State gave him that opportunity, and he did it his way. Um, talked to Mike Tomlin, Jeff Fisher, Mike Vrabel, Luke Fickle. Um, uh, I talked with uh, Jim Tressel. You know, I reached out to my old coach at uh, high school. I talked to every coach that coached me <laughs> at every level to talk me out of this. But, you know, the more I talk to them and confide, confide in them uh, about, hey, my, here are my strengths, but here are my weaknesses. This is what I don't know. You know, and I've had to embrace what I don't know and understand that I'm not going to have all the answers. But it, it, the beauty is finding those answers and uh, seeking out the help, you know, bringing uh, people in, on board that's going to help you build the program. So... Um, I have a vast network of, of individuals that I lean on and mentors that I lean on in this business. Um, and I continue to learn and grow in that capacity.
1: And one part of that is being a CEO is creating a staff. I looked at the, your staff of coaches. It's tremendous. It's lots of experience. And it's great that you were able to put this all together. I, I, I told you a little off the air that one of my friends who coaches at Robert Morris, you took his strength and conditioning coordinator uh, down there. So it seems like you've got this amazing staff here at Tennessee State.
2: Yeah, I have a great staff. Uh, it's changed since year one, um, and that's part of the process is the getting the right people in the building and getting the staff right, getting the feel right. And this being my first time doing it, um, I had to, to figure out, okay, well, this doesn't quite this piece, this type of energy doesn't quite fit into the building for what I'm trying to do. Not that it's wrong. It's just not the tone. And the texture that I'm looking for for this particular group or unit, and where I want to go, and and for some guys, they've, they've gone on to better opportunities, which is great. This is what it's all about is coaching these guys, to coach and um, getting them up out of here for better, bigger and better opportunities. So um, for me, the success comes from the staff that you put together and having conversations, not just football staff, but academics. Food service, um, compliance, uh, training staff, uh, the, the weight training staff. Everybody that touches football, we all have to be on the same accord, ha- have the same standard, um, and have the same vision, and have a communication streamlined because you have to hold these kids accountable. And I'm trying to create a culture here where they're held accountable at every turn that deter- touches campus. No matter if you are in the cafeteria, you act a certain way. You're in the dorm room, you act a certain way. The classroom, you act a certain way. When you are about campus. You're held accountable in a certain way. So, if it comes back to me that you were rude to a young lady on campus, so you go, you got a price to pay. Um, if, you, if the same thing holds true, if you're not in the front of the class, if you're not wearing the right stuff on the football field, you're held accountable. If you're not keeping your room clean, if you're treating it like trash, you got trash everywhere, you're knocking down doors, you're being disrespectful in the, in, in the housing department, you're going to be held accountable at every single turn that you have, uh, turn at Tennessee State. And you're wearing our T-shirt you know that says Tennessee State football. You're representing excellence. that has my name on it. You're going to be held accountable. And that's what we're trying to create here.
1: And Tennessee State has a great history. I think there's four NFL, four players in the NFL Football Hall of Fame that went to Tennessee yeah. State. You have scientists, doctors. I mean, famous people all around, including Oprah Winfrey, who went to Tennessee State. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you've got some some major people that came to came through these doors, man. that's walked this campus. Oprah Winfrey, like you mentioned, um, a, a, a ton of others. Wilma Rudolph. I mean, you, the, the list goes on and on about who's come through, who's graced these doors and walked this campus, and and left their impact here, um, both in the business world and sports-wise. So this is a great history here, in the tradition that we're trying to build on. And these are the things that we're trying to bring to fruition. You talk about, you know, uh, the four, four uh, players that are uh, – or two or three players that are in the, in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. You know, we had Ted Tall jones who was the first overall pick. So when people say, hey, you know, you can't get to the NFL – uh, by going to Tennessee State. That was BS. We have them we we put we produce more NFL athletes than any other HBCU that with hundred and twenty two. Hundred and twenty three players in the NFL that's come through Tennessee State without the resources. They've been able to do this without the proper resources. You know, when you come through here you're gonna be better because you gotta go through some stuff. To get there, you you'll be, you'll be, you will be well prepared for life when you come through Tennessee Tennessee State based off of um, doing more with less. So we're trying to get it to a level where, hey, you know, just the bare necessities. Hey, this is what we have: housing, adequate food, safety, all of that, and then elevate that. You know, we're trying to go from good to great, and then from great to eminent. And that's and that's kind of the process that we're following here.
1: And then one thing is developing players, you know, not just bringing great players in, but developing them. Think of yourself in terms of when you went to Ohio State, you started out high. I think you had like five touchdowns in, a, in your first couple of games, but then you were benched for like two years after two. If you had a couple fumbles in a game and then yep. you didn't transfer, you, you stuck it out. You, you worked your way and you had two of the greatest years in the history of Ohio State winning the Heisman trophy your senior year. It's different today. It seems like one, you know, I'm not starting. I'm just going to transfer, transfer portal. I'll go somewhere else. You know, some kids are playing in four different schools in four years
2: well the business of college football has changed and that's due to the leadership that's ahead of them when you, you see your college head coach you know leave in the middle of the night to go for another opportunity that's where the business is and that's where these kids are learning it from and they're and they're catching up you know uh saying hey if i can't get an opportunity here i'm going to go somewhere else whereas when i was coming up it was all you could still jump out of the trans, jump in the transfer portal, but you had to sit out a year. And, on. and I thought of that, but at a much deeper level, for me personally, if I had have I had left Ohio State and not faced that demon and not met that challenge head on, and searched somewhere else where it could have been easier, I wouldn't be who I am today. I won the Heisman Trophy. The moment I won the Heisman Trophy was after my fumbles, and after I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I pulled myself out of the tank and took responsibility for where I was and began to work my ass off and work harder than anybody else, that's the moment I won the Heisman. I won the Heisman my sophomore year when I wasn't playing. I was cheering my teammates on the bench and and waving a towel, figuring out, you know, my time will come. You know, I, I and I kept working. I kept believing. I kept, That's the moment I won the Heisman. And just winning the award, just had to catch up with that, so it it, it truly is a, a mindset. It's a commitment to to that, willing to do what others aren't willing to do, willing to do uh, to work in the darkness when nobody's seeing, and operate with the same type of integrity, not cutting corners, as if somebody was watching. And I've, I'm a living testament to that because I believed in that, I, I lived it, and I continue to live that. So, yes, um, my success you know, came from those hard moments. And, and that's what I tell our, our student-athletes is that you embrace those moments. When you get your teeth, your teeth kicked in and you, you have a setback, that's, that's gold. Now how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to handle adversity? Because once you embrace that, once you embrace adversity and you um, make it your friend, then you're going to go off to excel to do great things.
1: And you give your mother a tremendous amount of credit for encouraging you to stay in Ohio State. And also, when you were in high school in Philadelphia, struggling in high school, she, said, as you said, worked seven jobs at one time to put you into Fork Union College so you could get that opportunity to even go to Ohio State.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she uh, worked several jobs, man. Um, as a waitress, she worked at Ford Motor Company. She had her own boutique shop. Um, she modeled. Uh, my mother was uh, relentless Hard worker, man, and I didn't appreciate you know all the hard work that she did. I mean, I was a kid, you know. She was a single mother raising two children, doing the best that she could do. Um, and it wasn't until my rookie year in, in, uh, in the league where she finally paid off the final payment for 10, for uh, 14 Military Academy. She drove down um, there, you know, the way, same way that she drove me down four years prior to me being there. And paid off their last installment, and uh, I didn't. I didn't know about it. My my uh, my coach uh, Mickey (laughs) Sullivan told me about it. So she she was committed to uh, her word, man. And it was it 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 was a ripple effect in terms of how I've been able to change my life, turn my life around, and it's rippled into how rippled into the lives of my son and permeated into their lives because they both went to a private school, all boys school. My oldest son is at Vanderbilt, went to Vanderbilt, uh, graduated with an econ degree. He's going to be graduating here soon, shortly in May, from the USC uh, Film School. And my youngest is at Montgomery Bell Academy, a prominent private school here in Tennessee. And um, he's going to be playing football for me next season. And he had offers to go to Furman and um, a couple of Ivy League schools. And he, he picked to come hang out with his pop and helped me build this program because he sees the value in it and he sees where we're going, and uh, something that I don't take lightly. So um, my mother, um, had, you know, she started something beautiful when she made the tough decision to send me away at the age of 15 because she could see the potential I had. And see, I was doing nothing with it at that particular time.
1: So a lot of times people see that we talk about schools and they like the ease into their schedule next year. uh, You chose a different approach. You're playing at Notre Dame, the first game of the season. Talk about that game. Uh, I mean, it's going to be on NBC. It's just tremendous to have that. What, what uh, the shine, the spotlight on your program in the first week of September.
2: Yes. I mean, listen, Notre Dame is Notre Dame. That's, that's, it doesn't mean that unless you're playing against Alabama or Georgia or U.S. I mean, this is it, Ohio State. It's it's the, the greatest brand. We're going to play in the probably um, one of the greatest venues in all of all of sports. Um, South Bend, touchdown, Jesus, wake up the echoes, the four horsemen, the Heisman Trophy winners, all Americans, the national championships that they won. Well, guess what? You know, we come up there with with something similar to their. They're a great tradition. We've won, what, um, 13, I believe, uh, championships. Um, Going back to the John Merritt days, we have a slew of of All-Americans ourselves, uh, first-round draft choices, and Pro Football Hall of Famers. And it's going to give us an opportunity to show the world where Tennessee State is, where where we are, and where we're going. From a facility standpoint, from a culture standpoint, from um, from really to really raising the bar uh, above and beyond the excellence that that we have been able to do far, um, and we're very excited about it. I, I'm always one that's I'm listen. I'm gonna compete. You know, put the ball in the dirt and let's rock. I don't care who you are, and we'll deal with the outcome as it comes. But it's going to be a great opportunity for our young men to play in in an historic game against uh, such a great brand as the Irish, and then get to the meat of our schedule.
1: You know, we had on this show a month ago Tom Coughlin, and here's someone who's won two Super Bowl championships, built the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, you know it's great, should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. But the point is that he said his most fun time was when he was at RPI. And he said, "My job was to walk around campus and look for big kids who and teach, tell them playing the football was fun." And that's sort of what what you're doing now at Tennessee State is you're building this program from the ground up with for the facilities to the players to everything. It, it it must be just so fun for you. I mean, fun for you to do this in terms of trying to create this entire atmosphere and you know turning, as you said, the battleship around.
2: Nah, it, it is. It is. It is fun. Um, it has its challenging moments. Uh, anything worthwhile is uphill, and um, I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy uh, getting with the staff. I enjoy talking about personnel. I enjoy um, trying to raise money for our, our student athletes. Um, it, it brings me joy to see the light bulb go off in a lot of these young men are saying, hey, I used to try to do it my way, but I'm going to buy into uh, doing it our way buying into the team you know if I can change that me the dub the M and me upside down you get we you know so uh, that's 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 been gratifying and it's been stretching me personally to um, not just be diplomatic but to rule with the iron fist at times and and feel comfortable with that and it's okay because if kids want to, uh, go and thrive and, and, and have the principles of, 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 of being great in life, then you're going to have to go through some tough shit. And I'm going to make it as, as hard as possible for you to get through this program because you're going to appreciate it on the other end. And my practices are hard. My, my Our workouts are difficult. Uh, my, my demands are you, you, you do everything right or you'll be held accountable and you, the consequences will be big. So that's how I was raised in it, and and that's how I continue to, and I'll continue to press the, the bar when it comes to that.
1: Football is the ultimate team game, and you know, we, with the NIL, it's so much me, 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 I, 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 as you just said. But really, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes goes back to pass the ball and one offensive lineman doesn't do his job, he's going to get sacked, and he's not going to be the Super Bowl MVP. So it really is that that idea. Why football? So you know, I love football so much is because it is that that classic, the true team aspect.
2: Well, if Patrick Mahomes, if one guy misses on Patrick Mahomes. In terms of upfront, he has the ability to.
1: Okay, he was a bad analogy.
2: (laughs) Right, right, right. So, so maybe we're Tom Brady, yes, but (laughs) no, you're right. The ultimate team sport, and we preach that: just do your job, and knowing the situation, you know, knowing your opponent, know the plan, and then executing at a high level. And if you don't succeed, learn and grow from it, and figure out uh, the best way to get it done the next time and go around. So we try to keep things simple in that regard, but um, it, it is the ultimate team for like you mentioned.
1: Well, Eddie, I really appreciate you. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for coming on. I know we're down here in South Florida, and it's hard to think about going anywhere but South Florida to to play any sports or go to college. But if there's anywhere to go, Nashville is fun. So, you know, if you're a parent out there saying, boy, it would be great to go visit my son down in in, uh, in Nashville. That must be a fun place to go for football weekend. So uh, just uh, that would be phenomenal.
2: Man, no question. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. A lot of fun stuff
0: there with Eddie George. Great interview here. And uh, let's move on to NASCAR IRA. We only have a minute or so
1: left. Where do we stand here? Well, it was interesting. Kyle Busch won the last race at California Speedway. Uh, the race—he's It's his fifth time he's won the race. The racetrack is actually being demolished at the end of the year to, for housing and for retail. And you're seeing that with sports racing tracks across the country. So there's going to be no track in Southern California, which was almost the birthplace of like car racing and those yeah. type of things. And that, and that idea with cars and everything. But uh, he's now had a win in 19 consecutive seasons breaking a tie he had with Richard Petty
0: so it finally happened Jake Paul fought a boxer
1: as opposed to a washed-up UFC guy or Nate Robinson and he lost well, he fought Tommy Fury and lost. That's not Tyson Fury; He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He <laughs> fought a fighter that had only fought five fights and lost. And it was funny; it was at the golf tournament, and everyone's quiet, and there were people watching it. I, I did. I think they were smart to put that on at certain times. So I, I hate when these events start at midnight or one in the morning. Those things. But uh, yes, I, I watched the fight. I watched the replay of it. He didn't look good. He complained. He was sick. This, that, or whatever. But uh, whatever. I mean, it, it was it was interesting that he finally lost the fight after after fighting you said a real fighter what are you up to this week I'm not sure. I've got to watch baseball. I'm so excited that baseball's back. I got to see how these new rules. Uh, we have. It's awesome to be here, and I love. I said last week. I love how the schedule is. If I, if you're busy during the week, you can go at night to one of the games. We have three stadiums within like 20 minutes of uh, to go to see a game. There's a game almost every single night. There's a game every single day, and you get to see Major League Baseball. So I can't wait to see it.
0: Yankees play here Wednesday, the 22nd. Can't wait for
1: that. I don't know if Aaron Judge is going to be here. But yeah, he yeah, I don't know if he's be. making the trip <laughs> either.
0: <laughs> we are out of time. Thanks so much to Eddie George. He's Ira and Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports we